missed his chances. Oh, brilliant goal! A brilliant goal! Remember the name, Wayne Rooney. Pirlo, 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 ancora, Pirlo, di tacco, tiro, Santo and Joe as always. Sorry for the little hiatus from recording. Uh, I had a birthday celebration last weekend. Was not in the right mindset to record a podcast at that moment. Uh, but we're back now. And I mean, like we should we could take our pick, like what to talk about, because so much has happened in the last two weeks. Um, Man City losing to Tottenham, Chelsea and Liverpool playing it out a long goalless drought of a Carabao Cup final and Ukraine being invaded by Russia. So where should we start? It's been a very, very eventful <laughs> two weeks. Um, like Andrew said, he's getting old. Yeah, man. So uh, we had to just say a prayer for his age and take <laughs> the day off. RIP to the 20s. <laughs> you know, that hit me really high. I still remember laying in bed after I turned 30. And it was the first time my age hit me. And I was just like, oh, yeah, my 20s are done. Oh, oh my 20s are done. <laughs> my 20s are done. Um, but I've heard a lot of people say how their 30s were the best. Um, but again, your age is just a number on your driver's license. True. I mean, I've been feeling over 30 for like five years. Yeah. I just, I just feel old and broken down since I stopped playing soccer pretty much. My body's just changed drastically. So like even though I was still in my twenties, I felt like I was forty four. So really, it's not that much, not, not big of a difference for me personally. Yeah. Just the day you got to eat cake. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Crazy, crazy two weeks. Um, definitely a lot happening in the EPL. I uh, think we should touch on uh, Man City Tottenham. Yeah, for sure. Wildness. And we were joking how, you know, at the start of this pod, we were talking about Kane and his performance and or lack of performance of the team. And then he comes in here and just uh, tells these three idiots on the footy fan podcast what he's all about. Well, it's about time he showed up. <laughs> I think he, I keep, I don't know. Tottenham <laughs> has this weird thing where they still play good against City. I mean, it happened in Champions League, what, three years ago, two years ago? On the final? Well, no, sorry, no, the, semifinal. Final, the semifinal, yeah. And now this, I don't know, whenever City plays Tottenham, I, I never feel as confident as when they play other teams. Like, if they were to play, you know, Man U, I'm like, they should, they're probably going to win, you know? Just this, there's this weird thing with Tottenham, even, I don't know what it is. But yeah, I mean, good for Kane. You know, obviously, Antonio Conte is doing his thing. But yeah, just very, very strange. I think there was... They were probing a lot, but they just always looked fragile at the back. You is know what it, I mean? Is it weird that, like you just said, if they were to play against a side like Manchester United, they're more confident in them winning 
Mm-hmm. Do you think it's because of maybe an experience level difference between Tottenham and Man U? Because even though, like on paper, you look at it, Man United still has probably has better players mm-hmm. than Tottenham does. But when you have the likes of, you know, Kane and Son and Lloris, kind of like your one, two, three throughout the pitch. Yeah. Do you think they're more experienced and they bring more like grit to Tottenham than United has? Because United's more skill-based. It might be. And I think because um, Tottenham's been there and they've beaten City, maybe that gives them a little bit more belief, which is odd because, you know, the week after they beat City, they go to Burnley and lose. Yeah. So I don't know if it's just this thing where they play to the level of their opposition. You know, there are teams like that sometimes. Um, so maybe they go to City and they're like, oh, we're going to like, we're going to prep for this game. And like maybe Antonio Conte drilled them for that game. But then to go to lose to Burnley's is very, very strange. Like how can you not just put in the same performance you did to be the champions if you want to qualify for Champions League? Oh, they're probably still celebrating that win. Yeah. Like it was the 19th and they had to play Burnley four days later. Yeah. At Turf Moor, I believe. So like, <laughs> it could have been coming down from a pretty nasty hangover for yeah, three or four days. And I know that's the thing. Like uh, the hangover after you win a big game. Yeah. It does exist. Uh, yeah, but it was very strange. You know, like I said, when Gundogan scored, I was like, oh, this game's going to 3-1. They're going to take it to him. But just there was so much fragility at the back, like I said. There was a few like there were a few instances where Kane could have had another goal to make it 3-1 early on. So, yeah, I'm not sure. I know Diaz didn't have the greatest game, which I was surprised about. Like he had that, you know, tried to step off, off to make Son offside on the first goal, which, you know, is kind of unlike him. And then, you know, Conchella, you know, he had a good game going forward, but like, you know, defensively wasn't the greatest. But he's not a defensive liability. Like he would still take him over anybody else, even on the defensive yeah. side of things. Yeah. I think just in general, there was just too much. Um, and this kind of goes back to City's general problem. Um, if they get scored on first, they do kind of go into a panic mode. It's like, we got to score. We got to score. And everyone's just like so focused on like getting the goal where it's like then these gaping holes open up at the back, which they were all over the place against Tottenham. So... It is a sense of like, you know, when they do go get scored on and things don't go according to plan, you know, maybe that's where the shape kind of loses its, you know, robustness, if you want to call it that. And, you know, they don't really have a plan B. So it's just, you know, attack more, attack more, get more of their defenders in the attacking third. And like, but in this situation, like Kulichewski's goal in the fourth minute, it set the tone for the game, I guess, from Tottenham's standpoint. And it came out of nowhere, like you said. Like yeah. Diaz trying to step up and saw him playing the offside trap with that pass from Kane was absolutely incredible. But the goal was scored so early that there was so much time that City still could have played their game. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't have to change their style of play that much. Like, oh, like we're behind now. We got to come back and score. We got to come back and yeah. you know pump them and get all these goals and to try and come back. It's not like the goal was scored in the 75th minute and now they're down one nil with 15 minutes to go. Yeah. So you just look at the shot attempts, though, from this match. 21 shots from Man City, four shots on target. I think that's the glaring um, like mm-hmm. stat that mm-hmm. pops out to me the most. Like Obviously, the possession stats, Man City will always be there, 72% to 28. The passes, they're always going to double up on the side that they're playing against. But just the, the shot attempts and the shots on target, 21 shots to four on target. That can't be happening from a side like City. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to come back and say my usual take that a striker up here number nine would be the solution. <laughs> I just think Tottenham showed for the first time all season how Antonio Conte wants him to play defensively, like playing tight at the back, not allowing many chances. I mean, 21 shot attempts, at least, 
you know, more than half of those were, were blocks. Yeah. Just by Tottenham defenders and midfielders coming back. Hoiberg playing amazing, obviously, as he always does. I just think with with this kind of game, Man City had to score scrappy and had to play scrappy. Um, as like as the game went on and the, it got tighter and the the minutes started to dwindle down in the match, and we just saw Tottenham take advantage of that and you know all three goals they scored are on counterattacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they came from nothing really. Yeah, and that shows like how Man City is a little vulnerable at the back at times because they do like to play that high trap. Um, like Kane's for second. Oh, sorry, Kane's first goal and Kulusevski's goal were on just counters, like clear, clear, clear cut counterattacks. And I just think they maybe did panic a little too much too fast because they aren't used to being in that situation, like you said. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that Pep like should have controlled them a little bit more because they kind of started running wild after a certain point. Yeah, I thought it was like a really scrappy performance by City. They didn't play overly. Uh, they just didn't play like their usual selves. And every time they got to the final third, I think it also goes towards Tottenham's defending, where they got to the final third and they just had zero creativity whatsoever. Usually, you know, De Bruyne will come up with something or will find space at the top of the box. Like I said, the 21 shots, but having four on target, they just weren't creating any clear-cut chances. And it never looked like they were in a period where they were super threatening. Tottenham, on the other hand, six shots, five on target, three goals, super clinical. That's efficiency right there. Yeah. So, all in all, you know, disappointing result for City. Huge for Tottenham. Um, but City kind of bounced back and got the win against Everton the following week, which, again, I think was a really poor display from City. And talk about scrappy goals. Yeah, really. Yeah, Michael Michael Keane with a blunder. I don't think I've ever seen a defender in the EPL have that much time with a ball coming towards them. Just I think, and then reacting that way. It was just very strange. It's like he, it's like he didn't know which foot to kick it with, and then realized he had to, like I had to kick it with his right. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> almost on like it. it's it's like a reaction you see when someone sees a ball late. But he didn't see it late because obviously, you know, there was <laughs> there was the five yards between the other player and Michael Keane when the ball was coming to him. He just went to stick out his foot, whiffed on it, and Foden, big whiff. Foden just puts it away. Yeah. I mean, like, the, I'm not giving him any like excuses, but it, the ball did change direction on his way to Keane. Yeah. But, but yeah. when that happened, it slowed the ball down to a snail's pace. Where yeah. my daughter could have kicked that ball away, and she's yeah. two. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like maybe the deflection threw him off, and he was off balance, and then he was gonna <laughs> it go funny. Like, he, and like, then he's like, "Oh, I'm gonna like kick this as hard as I can," but like, it's in a I very, don't want to get a own goal. And so it's in a very he unforgiving. Between, he was caught in between two minds, so it just didn't really do anything. Very unforgiving spot on the pitch, like inside yeah. your own yeah. six yard box. Like that's like the one spot you can't make this kind of mistake, and he just fluffs at it and Foden's like thank you very much here's the goal yeah, yeah. that was what in the 79th minute or so like only a few I minutes think it was left. 80th minute yeah it was, it was pretty oh, 80th minute. gross but I mean we can kind of segue to Everton real quick just on that I mean yeah. that's kind of just how their season's been playing yeah I mean when Lampard got appointed there he had um the match against Newcastle I think it was his first one and it was a 3-1 loss and I mean they haven't looked like they're making any improvement from that point on um, no, 
get yeah. really now, scary for Everton. Yeah, now we got to worry about Everton getting relegated because, like, Newcastle's probably okay. Newcastle's rolling, man. They're a freight train ready for business. Yeah. Uh, four wins out of their last five matches, coming with a, with a draw, too, so unbeaten in five for the Magpies. And, I mean, that Eddie Howe appoint, appointing that we called I know, months before and the months week, ago. Before the, the hiring even happened, uh, making us selling some sort of geniuses. Um, but that's also like we said, it, it was it was Steve Bruce getting out of there when he did. It was the new ownership for Newcastle getting in there when they did. Eddie Howe getting the job, which we all saw him getting and saw him performing well at, mm. and the investment of you know eighty million pounds during the January transfer market to bring in the likes of um Trippier. of Trippier, Chris Wood. And uh, Guimaraes, Guimaraes. Yeah, Gimeres. I think we still haven't pronounced like got got the proper pronunciation of his name yet. But these three impactful players who have right away shown an impact yeah. for Newcastle. Um, yeah, like we said it's going to be a tale of two seasons. It's going to be before January and after January. And you know, since that break, since basically the yeah the Christmas break and the January transfer, they've just been rolling. They're four points clear now of relegation. Um, only five points off of top, almost top 10. They're eight points off of top 10. Um, the likes of Brighton are slipping a little bit down the table so they can catch them and, you know, finish in 11th, 12th place with the likes of, of Leicester and Crystal Palace, which we never saw happening in the first, you know, three or four months of the season. Yeah. They're just on a freight train going up right now. It's great to see. I mean, all three of us were really hoping <laughs> that they stayed up. Yeah. Uh, no one wanted to see them get relegated. Uh, also being a mass Betty Howe hit fan i just really hope it works out from there and he's there long term and we called it too the games that they had coming up were the ones that they had to win yeah i mean since the since the transfer window kicked in in january um they had an fa cup loss to cambridge united which obviously would have suited them pretty well which just was you know getting wins under their belt against lower class sides which is all they needed at that point was just more wins and more experience and then they take a draw against watford who's also in the relegation zone um, win against Leeds, who's right in that area as well. Beat Everton, huge win against Villa, a draw against West Ham, and then another 2 0 win against Brentford. I mean, just what a run of success that they've had. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's been basically since January where the impact of transfer season has come in. And we were talking before the season, before the transfer season was here, we were saying how is it going to be more the top sides or the bottom sides that spend this year to try and improve their side? We didn't really see anything from the top. No. And we saw Burnley offload players left and right. They kind of counted their season out, basically, because they're so far down there on the table. Um, we saw Everton try and make additions with um, with Deli Alley and Luca Digne coming to the side. And then we've seen Newcastle. Those are like the biggest spending sides, I think. And then obviously Everton with Lampard as well coming in really yeah. tried to like solidify their spot and... I mean, you got one team going one way, one team going the other. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know, come the end of the season, Everton's down there and New, Newcastle's up. I can't up. even imagine. Like, they're mad. I remember when Villa got relegated, that was, like, crazy. Mm-hmm. That was, like, you know, we won, like, not the modern Premier League, I don't think, but, the past, like, past trophies, they've won those. Everton, I don't think they've ever won the Premier League. Um like prior to ninety two, yeah, I can't. I'm not no. sure. I think I think there's only been like five teams that have won since ninety two. Yeah, it's like I think before that, have they won? I'm not sure. United, Arsenal, City, United, Arsenal, 
City. Liverpool. Liverpool. Chelsea. Chelsea. And Bolton. then Leicester. Blackburn. 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 Not Bolton. Not Seven. Blackburn. Blackburn. Yeah, those Blackburn. teams. Seven title winners yeah. in almost 30 years. Yeah. Since the dawn of the Premier League. So, I mean, it's not that easy to win. Like, it's, yeah. it's kind of hard. But they're the just such a like such a historic other. club. Yeah. So, if they go down, like, I don't even know. It would be mayhem. Um, coming up, Everton's schedule. Let's see if they have anything in their sights. Um, FA Cup match tomorrow, the the third of March against Borham Wood, our boys Borham Wood. Crazy like name. Borham. And then <laughs> yeah, another big one between Everton and Tottenham on the Monday. I mean, I I'll have to say Ever- or Tottenham's favored there. Wolves, they're mm. you know keeping their spot um, pretty strong in the top ten. Um, kind of. Slipping the results since then, they had a loss to Arsenal, which obviously is a tough match to play against nowadays. <laughs> we wouldn't be saying the same thing a few months yeah, ago. No, crazy. Um, and then yeah, a big Newcastle match on March seventeenth. That's going to be like one of the premier matches to watch. I think. Yeah, I think so too. And that's what I love about the Premier League as well, because you could look at the schedule and you'll say, "Oh, Man City versus you know Tottenham is going to be a massive game." I mean, that was a okay, a bad example. That, was, <laughs> that, was actually, that one was crazy. It's actually a big game, but. <laughs> Chelsea and Tottenham, let's say, like, oh, that's a huge game. London Derby, we got to watch that. That doesn't really mean anything now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be big. It's gonna be a rivalry match. You're gonna watch it, but standings wise and like level of level of importance in the season doesn't matter that much. You look down the list, Everton Newcastle, March seventeenth. Like, who would yeah. ever thought that would be a huge match for both sides? Yeah. That's why I love the Premier League because there's such a. It's just like the relegation, the relegation battle. Sometimes it's more enticing than the actual mm-hmm. t- the title yeah. race for the Premier League. Like, yeah, well, these guys are playing for their careers, right? Hundred yeah. percent. And like, just like we said before, we touched on it, the money that you get from staying in the Premier League. Aside, like Newcastle doesn't really matter right now because of their influx in in money, but you get so much money from just staying afloat. Staying yeah. in sixteenth place is like winning for a lot of these clubs. Yeah. So. And also just like from the fan base and like the disappointment level as well. Like if you get relegated and you're a side like Everton, you're a side like like Joe said, Villa, that's detrimental to your club's history and that's like a black eye for your you know, for hundred years to come. It's like, oh in twenty twenty two we got relegated. Like that was a black age of yeah, Everton football club. Like we were the Everton team that yeah, got relegated. Yeah, like it was us. It was us. Like I was there, I was alive for that yeah. <laughs> for that, you know, debacle of a season. And um so yeah, sometimes it means more than actually winning, just staying alive. Yeah, yeah. You know, ask ask uh, Sunderland how they're doing. Yeah, I was gonna say like Sunderland's very detrimental for them to get relegated. I mean, hopefully not. I mean, just to touch on this game again, like I hope it's not turning into one of those seasons for Everton where just everything goes wrong. Because obviously, with the we all know the situation with Rodri during the Man City game. Um, yeah. You know, and I just like we were watching before how they came out and like apologized to Everton. It's like, well, refresh the listeners, Joe. What happened? So, City was winning one nothing at this point. I think it was you know towards the end of the game, like maybe eighty fifth minute, and you know Everton goes on an attack. I, I forget who it was. Um, it was Richarlison. Richarlison, you know, doesn't really collide with Ederson or anything, but like you know Everton or Ederson makes a stop. The ball pops in the air, pretty high. It comes down, bounces in front of Rodri, and he just miscalculates the bounce, so it kind of goes towards his right. 
and he does this thing where you like you kind of stick out your arm because like you can't really chest it. So he sticks out his arm, and it clearly hits, you know, his bicep. Um, and you know they go to VAR and they're like, yeah, no handball. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Even though like he clearly used his arm as an advantage to try and control the ball, it was definitely away from his body. Um, and I but. Which, on one level, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Like, it wasn't as bad as the Alexander-Arnold handball, like, four years ago against City. Um, but it was in that ballpark of pretty, it looked obvi- bad. <laughs> pretty obvious yeah. handball. So, yeah, I mean, they go to VAR. And the three or four people in the booth checking it say, yeah, yeah, no handball. Um, they don't even call the ref to the monitor, which is very... That's absurd. It took two minutes to check, and they didn't call the ref over, which is, one, very strange. Well, you... Sorry to interrupt. Usually, the ref gets called over when they want to overturn it. Usually, that's what happens. Like, nine times out of ten, when the referee gets the call over to the monitor... Yeah. More times than not, he comes back and changes the decision. So, they must have made this call in VAR. Yeah, they're in, like, yeah, in the booth saying, over. like, no, we're good. Like, this, yeah, this don't, is not a, don't call not a PK. Which, yeah. I mean, which I mean, I think we're all in agreement that it was definitely. It definitely was. I think yeah. it was. And yeah. he, you know, obviously they were livid. And like I said, the P, whatever the PGMOL, whatever it's called. Okay. What's that stand for? Pigmole? Prem, like pre, I don't, I forget. Are you Premier League Gaming or something? PGMOL. Premier League Gaming Commission. It's the Professional Game Match Official Boards. Apologized to Frank Lampard over handball and admits VR got wrong decision. Which on one level, if you're Lampard, you're like, okay, well, that points might be the difference between us staying up or not. Yeah, I'd almost not have them tell me. Yeah, like what? What? Like what's that gonna do? <laughs> that just adds insult to injury. It's, it's like, like, what do, you, what do you mean you got it? You got it wrong. Like you were in the booth looking at it for from every angle for two minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who else looked at it? And why? Uh, how are you not on the same level? It's like and, from. Oh, go ahead. The one guy I showed you that the guy said he's like. Like that that's insult to injury. Every single football person on planet Earth knew it was a handball except the three people in the booth looking at it. <laughs> so who, at the end of the day job whose job it is, yeah. Whose job it is. I was so gonna say like, it reminds you of like yeah. stepbrothers when they say, So we're not getting the boat, we have to get jobs. And we have to move out of the house. What the hell happened? Lampard's <laughs> yeah. like, So it's not a handball. It's not a penalty shot. I might get relegated. What the hell happened? Like you have to come <laughs> yeah. back and tell me now that you're making the mistake and it should have actually been a handball and like we actually could have had a chance to draw the match with five minutes to go. Yeah. I'd rather not even be told that. Yeah. Like just don't tell me. Yeah. Like make your decision, like write it up somewhere, put it like in a press release, like actually don't even put it in a press release because we'll we'll get it. We'll we'll see it. <laughs> yeah. Just bury it like yeah. deep down in a filing cabinet and like don't ever show anybody yeah. your decision. Yeah, because obviously massive point for Everton if they were tied up at that point and oh, hold huge. up for the tie. Um, and how, like we said, they're one point above the relegation zone could be disastrous. And on sorry, on the flip side, that could even add, you know, more pressure on the top of the table with oh huge implications with Liverpool yeah. still rolling yeah. and like just not looking back and you know turning out positive results all the time. And then City could have lost a match, drawn a match, Liverpool winner of five straight, mm-hmm. like only six points back now. That gap could have been five. Yeah. Um, and Liverpool has a game in hand. So, yeah. I mean, Everton could have done Liverpool a favor, which, depending <laughs> where you live in Liverpool, um, I don't know, I might swing you one way or another for, you know, for your fan base, but I don't know. Yeah. 
very <laughs> very concerning for Everton. Um concerning for the VAR miscall. And again, like how many those. how many episodes have we had where VAR is like almost like our main topic? Too many. Unfortunately. I mean, it's which is strange, like <laughs> it's literally every angle you could ever want I looking know. at a very obvious decision. And that's the that's the crutch of VAR. Things like this where it's it's so obvious. And people are looking at the exact same replay that everyone's looking at and everyone knows it's handball and it's like, what why did you think it's not? <laughs> that's that's a very concerning part. I've I've never seen more hand to ball then ball to hand, then Rodri doing what he did. <laughs> like, he, yeah. he had yeah. his arms Just at the... his side in a running yeah. position, and once he got to the ball, he moved his arm, opened it, and the ball hit his arm. Like, it's, it didn't come off a deflection. It didn't change the angle. He ran to the ball <laughs> and opened up his arm to give it a hug and then caught the ball. Not caught the ball. He hit the ball with his mm-hmm. arm. His look after, too, to the ref. The most ashamed puppy look of all time. Like, he didn't even contain it, like, wave his finger, saying, like, no, no, where it hit him. He just kind of, like, glanced at the ref. <laughs> it's like when you come home and, like, your chocolate cake's missing, and you look at your dog, and he's covered in brown, like, fudge. Yeah. It's like, you know, did, you, did you do that? You no, know what's crazy, though? I saw it. I'm like, they're probably not going to give the PK. Oh. For some reason, like, just because it's... And I love City. Like, to be honest, they're one of my favorite teams to watch. I hope they win. <laughs> but I just knew it's like, because it's City and it would be a massive controversy. It was at Goodison uh, Park, too. I know. <laughs> Those stones you have as an official oh and God. as like the VAR people involved to not give it at Goodison Park. Yeah. When it's that clear cut, man, they must have had like a security team evacuate well, them from the stadium. Well, I mean, on one level, they're probably more upset with VAR because like they didn't give... I forget who the ref, the uh, bald guy. Yeah, I know. They didn't give him the chance, so he's like, they like, I can really see it. Which, granted, maybe he couldn't because like he was far away from Rodri and didn't have the right angle, so maybe he couldn't really tell if he hit his chest. Which, fair enough. Like, you know, if he was far enough back, it might have been tough on the field. But to not call him over, I guess who the referee was because I it looked familiar. Oh, I, yeah, it was, uh, it was that guy. I'm so bad with names. Yeah. He probably, I don't know, he probably would have given the handball. To be totally honest, yeah. Rafferton received apology. <laughs> yeah, we're just reading an article on City. Paul Tierney. Yeah, Paul Tierney. Yeah, and he's he's you know pretty pretty good. You know, I've never seen him have any really bad games as a ref. Um, no, he wasn't him. I've seen a couple. That wasn't that wasn't it. Oh, was he the VAR official then? No, it was him. Was he a ref? Yeah. What did it say here on the article? Yeah, it said Paul Tierney. Match referee. Yeah, match referee. Yeah. Paul okay. Tierney. Yeah, it was yeah, and I remember it being him. Um Chris Cavanaugh. He's a goof. <laughs> this guy's a goof. A one goof. Who's uh He he's had some blunders, man. Even like not just saying as a Chelsea supporter, but like just in general from watching him. He's done some goofy stuff. He kinda looks like Clive Owen. Look at this face. Is this the face of a guy you want making a big official? Decision. Oh, I've always liked him that as a ref. Guy, that guy made that decision. I'm surprised. He was the bar. Uh, he was the bar. I don't him. know. He's actually pretty good. That's aren't aren't there like three people? Maybe he had like someone in his ear. Like, no man. <laughs> <laughs> well, Maybe he had Everton fans being like, no, like City have to win this game, so Liverpool don't win the EPL. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's good some bit. dirty football right Could there. Could you imagine? Some, like you some, want your team some, to lose? Someone in the booth is like, no, we're an Everton fan. Like, don't give it. 
<laughs> we'd rather go down than have Liverpool in. Man, that's some salty fan base. If you can, <laughs> that that's probably how you didn't are, like... happen. You probably just really screwed up. <laughs> that exists, though, eh? Probably not in the VAR booth. Nope. <laughs> yeah, I know that. But I'm saying, like, with fan bases, it's like, if our rival can lose, if we lose, like, we'll lose. Yeah. Like, well, like, who... never, like, if Everton was more comfable in the, in the league, like, let's say they were, like, 10th and they were just chilling. Yeah. It's like... Yeah, we'll, we'll lose this Well, because like, I heard when back in the glory Leicester years uh, before they won the title, that season, I know Leicester was playing Chelsea last game of the season. Yes. And yeah. I think Chelsea was like... No, Chelsea, Chelsea was playing Tottenham. Chelsea needed a win to get into Chelsea. Champions League, I think. No, no Chelsea needed to beat Tottenham for Leicester to win the EPL. Yeah, but I, but I think Chelsea was playing Leicester the last game of the season. Because Leicester won before the last game. Yeah. yeah. So, so, Andre, Andre so like, Chelsea, I forget who. I don't know. Was it Conte? Or maybe Hazard was like, yeah, like, if we have to lose so Tottenham don't win the title, we'll probably lose to Leicester or something oh. like that. Yeah. I mean, you, uh, you yeah. kind of hope that doesn't come out, like, <laughs> in the media. I mean, <laughs> it would it would have been interesting to see if they actually did just put out, like, a very weak team and said, like, yeah, I don't. Try too hard. Don't try to win. <laughs> don't try to win. Well, it depends who you're playing. I mean, if you're going against like a Burnley, then like you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You can put your your seaside against Burnley, and they may still come victorious. Yeah. Um, speaking of Chelsea, though, they just came off a, I'd say, crushing defeat against Liverpool. Crushing to say the least. In the final of the Carabao Cup, some oh. questionable. I'm not even gonna say VAR calls because actually, like VAR got all the decisions correct. Do we correct. have? Maybe we'll just watch the replays. Of live reactions i like doing those yeah I, I didn't see the in-game stuff um i saw the pks that was insane yeah so i'm, I'm <laughs> talking care about cup and efl comes up um yeah i mean all from what i saw um on all the calls like every bar call was right um was hoping for more maybe discipline from chelsea because every offside was it wasn't even that close of an offside call no yeah. they're legit yeah like havertz is you're like standing a yard offside yeah. Um, the the Lukaku one was pretty tight. Uh, that kind of led up to his goal, but I think correct call from Bar. I think if you go to the zone on YouTube, they might have it. Did they have were they showing the match? Yeah. Oh yeah, they yeah. were. You were yeah, there that's right where I watched yeah. it today. Or you can get those little like mini. Um, I think actually here I got the zone here. Yeah. No, me and Sans were talking like Keppa, like <laughs> getting subbed in. Uh, yeah, I got some talking points about that. <laughs> Could you, like, doesn't save a single one and then misses. That's, like, the worst. Well, he's the PK specialist. We have to bring him in. Mendy yeah. just, you know, had an all-star match. Like, him and, uh, it wasn't even Allison. It was, um... No, the young guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, what's his name? We're clearly an EPL podcaster, just major prepped. <laughs> <laughs> what was his name? Um... He kind of looks like an old school, like British guy, like from like the 1400s. Yeah, like, like a Peaky a, Blinder. No, not even like way back. <laughs> I'm talking. He looks like um, Kelleher. Yeah, Kelleher. Kelleher. Yeah. Kaomin. Yeah, I think he's Irish. I'm just saying that. I'm, I don't know if he's Irish or not. Kaomin's pretty. Uh, Where do I find it? It was kind of a joke about how many times uh, Tuchel celebrated during this game. Oh, oh because yeah. of all the offsides. Of all the offsides yeah. And then oh, yeah. just the chances, though, that Chelsea miss as well. Like Mason Mount. 
should have had at least two. Yeah, Havertz. Yeah. Um, oh, we got nine minute package here. All right, we'll watch this. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I can't watch it on here. <laughs> the zone's weird like that. I have to go on YouTube on the zone. You can't act like I can't because I'm on my computer airplane to the TV. Mm. They don't have it. They don't give you the rights to airplay from the zone onto your TV. Crazy. It's really weird. I, I have <laughs> to go through YouTube and then go to the zone. Interesting. I believe. I wonder why they would do that. Protect the rights right yeah, there. Right there. Down. Boom. Betway. That should work. Joe, no free ads. Win $30,000 this hockey season. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> we do not endorse or... Yeah, no gambling. Yeah, it's bad for Oh, my you. God. So my, my cousin Liam, he did um, like a pro line kind of thing. It wasn't pro line. It was another betting source. And he did like a legit bet of like $5 or something for uh, Premier League matches on last weekend. Yep. And he did like... Man City and Crystal Palace both have to score. And that's all that was. Um, Ronaldo had to score for United. Arsenal and Brentford both had to score goals like for him to win his thing. So it wasn't just picking the winner straight up. And then he did another bet where it reversed everything that you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So he said like Chelsea and Palace have to score. So now they have to not score. Mm-hmm. And so the odds are really jacked up. Yeah. So his first bet was like $5. And his payout was maybe like, I think it was like a thousand dollars or something. Was the payout? Yeah. His next bet on the flip side was like eighteen cents, and it was like thirty thirty five thousand dollar payout. <laughs> he gets everything right, and he was closer to winning the thirty five thousand dollars than the twelve hundred dollars. Really Just because of the way that the games turned out, he was yeah. like freaking out. He's like, I think, he's like Ronaldo can't score. Like he better not score. Yeah. Which he didn't. That's, yeah. That's... But there was also no goals for that game. Yeah. Where with Leeds and United and that that match finished four two in favor of United. That's tough. It was just yeah. really funny for him like to be tracking it the way he was. Yeah. Like look at this. Look at this save. Oh my god. Crazy. Yeah, Mendy definitely kind of huge. Yeah. I mean, Ken coming back from the African Cup of Nations, this is clearly his biggest match involved. And Kepa did a substantial job too. It's not like he when he was back as a number one goalie when Mendy yeah. was away. It's not like they didn't win matches because of him. Mm-hmm. He was playing well. He was playing really well. So I understand maybe why you'd want him to play. Oh, what a save. That's on his countryman right there. I, I don't yeah. understand, though. You're in a final, and you're the goalie, and you've been playing as outstanding as you are. Like That's what I mean. Like the game. Right? When you're, when you if game. you're high on, like, confidence is the most, probably the most important thing during PKs. So if you've been crushing it all game, and then you're going to put in Kepa, who's cold. Like, what? Well, again, he's done it time and time again where he comes in like that. Yeah. You know? And he's he's proven... I mean, you want to talk about the one with Mauricio Sarri when he didn't come out of the Yeah, game. <laughs> when he didn't come out for PKs. Um, Mount should have scored this. Yeah. This sitter. 44th minute. Just... Yeah, you got to put those away. Yeah, the first half wasn't too much involved, but it should have been at least one goal per side. Yeah. With the Sadio Mane mm. miss, this and, one, like, the big saves by Mendy, and then Mason Mount here. Well, Pool says had a good chance too. This is a nice ball. This he should have scored, like oh, just by <laughs> himself. <laughs> hit the post. Couldn't get out of his big. Feet. This is played at Wembley. Look how big that net looks. Yeah, at Wembley they look massive because they pull it back so far, yeah. like on the corners there, like when they use like the you know that wire mm. retention in the back corner to make the box nets. They make them so big at Wembley. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Look huge. Later, the world's biggest net, <laughs> and you're five feet away and you miss. Yeah, that was offside though. But it was. This was pretty tight though. So this one, they called it offside, but I think they also called it a foul on Van Dyke. It was oh, offside. So- it was offside and a foul, or one or the other. They couldn't make up their I mind. Think so I think probably. They one. I think probably a. I can foul? understand the foul because Van Dyke was holding. Uh, yeah, Reece maybe James. Uh, Reece James back and Mane. Uh, yeah. went around went around him. But I do think Van Dyke, his entire left leg was just offside. Well, I don't think they'd call it offside because Van Dyke doesn't interfere with the play except for his foul. But that's what that's why they called it. Yeah, they made that a, makes sense. They made a notion to say it that it's because not. Not necessarily because he's involved in the goal scoring play, but it's because his yeah his action after, yeah his action of keeping James back while he was offside led to the goal creation. So I mean that's another. Vi- I don't know soccer rules anymore. That's another situation where VAR, <laughs> I honestly don't. That yeah, it's another situation where VAR just kind of makes yeah. it up on the spot. Yeah, yeah, this was pretty clearly offside. Yeah, I think Chelsea scored three goals this game and they lost zero zero. They lost zero zero. Yeah. <laughs> well, they sounds, did. Sounds yeah, right. this one is clearly. They outside. did. They lost zero zero. Yeah, Havertz is the only guy on side. <laughs> like, get on side, bro. Nice ball though. Timo Werner. Unlucky. Werner, actually, I can't talk much about it. They had a big FA Cup match today against Luton Town. Ooh. Chelsea going down early against the. Uh, the Lutz. Lower inside there, and you know Werner actually played pretty well, surprisingly. <laughs> Scoring the equalizer and setting up the cock for the winner with 10 minutes to play. Good for him. Love to see it. All he wants to do is earn your trust as a Chelsea fan. He's trying, but he's <laughs> got to try harder. Yeah, then going into extra time. These I didn't see. <laughs> yeah, this actually, one was tight. That was really That tight. he looked on. I can't believe he was off. Finally, good finish, though, from the cock, too. Yeah, finally scores. I'm surprised that was called on the field, though. Like that is that looks that, so on. Like, yeah, that looks very I good. think it, it's just at, probably his shoulder. Look at Van Dyke. Madness. Obviously, they reviewed it. But woo! Another what minute. did? What was this? Offside again. This was very clearly offside. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like he's just three like, goals from watch. Chelsea. He's gonna go and he's gonna go stand offside. <laughs> what are you <laughs> doing? <laughs> he's chilling. Yeah. I mean, you can't really like <laughs> look at those replays. You're like, well, he's <laughs> Tuchel's fifth celebration. Tuchel's like, what the heck? Still no goals. Yeah. I liked how in these replays they showed every single PK. Yeah, not the first, the third, the, fir- the, the first, one. the fifth, and like Kepa's. Yeah, some these, nice goals. Yeah, they're these, all these PKs were. They're, these are good. Like Kepa and what's that was dirty from Fabinho, or uh, whatever it's called. That, that was if good. that wasn't very good. If he keep her dove the right way, that would have went. In. This was nuts. Lukaku, look, at, yeah. <laughs> look, Kepa's standing on that side. He shoots it. It still and goes in. The, the stare down from Van everyone. Dyke. Watch Van Dyke's PK against Kepa. That is, if you're a PK specialist, you should save that. You know. Yeah. He shot it. So yeah. So again, as people don't know, in the 128th minute, two minutes before Jeez. the end of the extra time and before the shootout, Tuchel pulls Mendy out of the net puts Keppa in who hasn't played all game and because he's a quote PK specialist. Um Chelsea would spoiler alert go on to lose this eleven to ten on penalty shots with Keppa not stopping one single PK. 
So, I mean, you say PK specialist lightly. Yeah. Mm. Just every PK gets scored. No, that, that one was, was not good. good. Yeah. That could have been dicey. Yeah. It's went from power down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Rudiger. That was not good either. That's what I mean. All the bad PKs that Keep didn't guess right, that wasn't good. Oh, these are all the... Yeah. All the, the extras. That one, yeah, that was nice good. One. Decent. Yeah. yeah. Okay, these are all the people that did not expect to take a PK. Yeah, that, like so many times if the keeper were to guess right oh, on these. Werner. <laughs> Leave it to Timo for the tightest one, too. <laughs> Actually. Harvey Elliott. Shout out Harvey Elliott coming back. 18-year-old coming off that nasty leg injury. Yeah, good to see him back. Chago Silva buries this one. That's nice. Boom. Experience. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was close. Yeah. Yeah, they should. Someone should have saved one of these. <laughs> the pressure that was mounting on this one. Yeah, <laughs> Chalaba, the youngster stepping up, and he buries it. Ooh, I don't. Yeah, not very good. It's, yeah, no. it's it's interesting to see like their body language after they they go. <laughs> Callahan, <laughs> this is so amazing. <laughs> Kelleher, it's like a fryer from like the 1400s. Yeah, that's what it is, a fryer. That's what I was trying. To that think. was nice. decent. Yeah, yeah. pretty high. And then Kevin he doesn't even kick. take his time. He just goes. He's like, whoop, bam, like, <laughs> skies it. How like, poetic. Yeah, I don't even know. Like, just one of the worst penalty shots of all time and one of the craziest shootouts of all time. It's only fitting the PK specialist is the one that blows the blunder for Chelsea. Launches one through the uprights. It's good from 65 yards away. <laughs> I the can't, Detroit I, Lions win the Super Bowl. <sighs> I yeah, can't believe was, uh, how high it went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some say it's still coming down. Just leans back, skies it over the net. If you want to see like how not to take any kind of shot of all time, just look at this. Yeah, yeah that was a goal it, kick. It's textbook not lean over the ball. It's yeah. a textbook not know where you're shooting. Yeah, I think he closed his eyes. I don't know if they have the other angle of the shot, but he just absolutely torches it into the third row at Wembley. Boom. <laughs> PK specialist, everyone. PK specialist. So that was Chelsea in Liverpool on yeah. the weekend. Um, Carabao Cup, see. one of Chelsea's like main sponsors. Uh, not their first time that they've been in the final, but I think one of the first times they've lost. I think they've won it twice already or three times, maybe. I don't know like what their credentials are to even get into the Carabao Cup because you already have, you know, the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not totally I, sure on that. I don't know if it's, this is only the top two divisions or maybe three divisions and the FA Cup is five divisions. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, I don't know. Again, it's just another another cup. Another <laughs> another trophy. Another trophy. Another some more silverware for the for the clubs. It was good to, go to see Kelleher kind of close that out though for Liverpool. You know, he was playing really well for them through the whole uh cup. And just to go and be the guy that scores to get your team to win. See, I like that because we talked before how, you know, like FA Cup or, you know, Carabao Cup, they're becoming less and less coveted. Mm. So more teams have been, like more of the top teams have been playing their, you know, reserves or, you know, some of the younger guys. But then once they get to like the nitty gritty of like the tournament, their big guys step up. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, Mo Salah might not have like ever played. Actually, he didn't play this game. But let's say Lukaku, for example. Let's say he doesn't play the first like eight games of the tournament. Chelsea gets to the semifinal, final. He's in both games. Yeah. A lot of times goalkeepers too. 
Like mm-hmm. Callahan could have played, you know, all the matches and then lead up to the semifinal, and then Allison gets like the the nod for the final. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they kept him the entire time, I don't know if Allison was injured or not in this match. I don't know if he was even like available. Um. He was, sure. he was, I think, because I saw an article about like what what he said when Klopp told him that he's going to go with Callahan for this game because he's played oh, all he the meant, other ones. Okay, yeah, he was there. He was there on, his, on on the bench. So, yeah. I mean, just to get the nod to the youngster, um, Callahan is only 23 years old. Yeah, from Cork, Ireland. Shout out Cork. That's the Ryan family right there. That's me, mom's side. Okay. Uh, they're from Cork County. Um, yeah, crazy name. Kaioming. Kaiomine? Kaiomine? C-A-O-I-M-H-I-N for anyone listening. Say it again. Kaiomine? Kai... I don't know. Where's like the phonetic sounding? <laughs> phonetic. The Is that what it's called? Phonetic? Kai... Irish? Yeah, that's how you pronounce <laughs> it. Yeah, that's how you pronounce it. Kivalenirun. <laughs> what? <laughs> Help. That's very yeah. Irish. Yeah. That's yeah. like Gaelic. Oh, 23 years old, stepping up. Really good to see. Liverpool is the only club that he's played for. Signed there in 2015 as a 16-year-old. And he's made four appearances in the Premier League and then obviously some other matches um, like for domestic cups. And it looks like he's going to start being Ireland's number one, possibly. Yeah. Mm. In, the, uh, in the future of Irish football. So that's pretty cool for him. I mean... To be that young and to be like coming out of nowhere, like Ireland, even though they are part of like Britain and like right there, mm-hmm. um, well, not part of Britain, but they're right there next to Britain. Mm-hmm. There's not many like big Irish players. Like yeah. there was like obviously like Robbie Keane was obviously huge. Um, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. some guy named Seamus probably. But I mean, like for him to be you know out of club at Liverpool, that's awesome. Yeah. It's really kind of like good. Andy Robertson with, with Andy Robertson with um, Scotland. Mm-hmm. Like he's yeah. been like their best player now for a couple of years, and he's like 24, and he's their captain. So they're just going to build the entire team around him. Yeah, <laughs> build the whole team around your left back. Which is funny too. Is you can't like build a team because it's <laughs> like it's just really it's your can't. country. It's like whoever you yeah. have available. Yeah, can't really build a team, <laughs> let alone build a team around a left back. That's kind of funny, eh? It's like you can look at so many. I mean, really clubs, and it's like yeah, these clubs are great players, but like. They're all from the same country or something, or it's like they're all scattered. So like their club, mm-hmm. like Ryan Giggs is a huge example for for United for as long as he played there for. I don't think Giggs ever played in one major tro- major tournament with Wales. Yeah, because they're just never good enough to qualify. Yeah, and then it was until like Gareth Bale showed up, and like Aaron Ramsey was there, and yeah, um, who's that young kid now for, on Leeds? Uh, oh, um, he was on United too. Yeah, uh, James. Daniel yeah, James. Daniel James. Daniel he's James. in Wales too. So it wasn't until like this influx of players until they started like actually qualifying for tournaments. And Giggs is like the best Welsh player to ever live. He never played anything international. Yeah, it's a, yeah, that's the thing, right? And I think Mourinho said it, um, which I totally agree with him. Where to him, Champions League is you know a bigger trophy than the World Cup. I mean, bigger is you know kind of meaningless. I mean, what exactly is a big trophy? Like more but, meaningful to win. But I think in just terms of like competitiveness, like it's, I think it's a lot harder to win Champions League than World Cup. Mm-hmm. You know, like what you, if every top team can fill any gap in their team mostly? Whereas a country, you know, if you don't have a good center back that's in your country, you don't have a good center back. Yeah. What if this is like crazy hypothetical? 
What if they were to make the Champions League final every two years instead of just every single year? Probably get more hype. Would be more coveted, you think? Yeah, I think so. Because it comes around less often. Yeah. yeah. Because some of like, the biggest downfalls of the World Cup is age restrictions and age limits. Yeah. You could have somebody, let's say, God, I can't think off the top of my head. Someone's like in their mid twenties and like they're really good, and they make they make a World Cup side for France. Let's say, four years later they're twenty nine, maybe they get injured and they can't play. It's yeah, another four more years, and you're now you're thirty three. Yeah. It's like you've played in one mm-hmm. major tournament over an eight year span, and like your career's just gone now. Yeah. Like the fact that Ronaldo <laughs> has been able to like do what he's done since I don't know two thousand three. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, two thousand four, maybe his first appearance for Portugal. Like he's gonna be playing in five World Cups, possibly. Yeah, yeah. Which is like not many people can say that. No, it's super cool for him if they qualify. If they qualify, which hopefully they don't, because if they do, that means Italy does not qualify. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be a shot in the head. Yeah, if that comes, if that comes around. At least not Canada. Canada will be there. Yeah. Knock on that wood. Then we'll have to make a decision about who to root for. Yeah, if it's Canada and Italy in the World Cup, what do we do? I would still hope Italy wins. I think I've just done it. Like, it's in, it's just programmed into me. It'd feel like weird. It's like, oh, Canada scored. It's like, no, we scored against Italy. Okay, well, scored it, against Italy. Not well, if they're, not, if they're not playing against each other, like, you're obviously going, like, you're going for Canada, like, 100%. Well, yeah, if they're not, like, playing each other. Okay, Canada, Italy final. Italy. Probably. Like very weird, probably Italy. I'd, it'd be a it'd be a spur of the moment thing. I'd see like how do I feel when Italy scores? Oh, happy! <laughs> is this good? Is this good? Does this feel good? Yeah, like one of like, those sew like a shirt together, like a half Italy, half Canada shirt. Yeah. Like sew it at the seams. Yeah, yeah it's like when you have a parent and they sew like both jerseys together. When yeah, both their kids are on opposite teams. You could do that. Thing. <laughs> I don't know. What about you? I'm letting you guys answer first because I'm trying to weigh my options. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, at heart, it'll probably be Italy because the the Canadian soccer fandom is, like, so new. Yeah. Where I don't have, like, as much of a history and as much happiness and as much despair that Italy has given me. Yeah. So I'm not as, like, I'm not as attached to it emotionally. But the fact that, like, we're we're born here, we live here, we should go for Canada. (laughs) Like, I mean, thinking about it, I think, like, if it... If it got, if it was in the final, actually, now that I think about it, any other game in the, any other game in the World Cup, I would want Italy to beat Canada. Like if it was like round robin, it's like, oh, I, or not even round robin. If it was like the round of 16, it's like, oh, I hope Italy wins because they could go on to win the tournament where it's like Canada's going to play Germany in the next round and get like crushed. And... If it was the final, though, I would probably want Canada to win. Over Italy? Yeah, I think. So you're going to change allegiances like midway through the tournament? Well, no, because I think it's like, oh, if Canada, like, I, it would be the same thing with Leicester. Like, oh, if Canada wins the World Cup, that's like madness for soccer just in general. And it'd be like, sweet. You know, it would, it would probably be the same way if like, not if they were playing Italy, but like if even the U.S. got to the final against someone. It'd yeah. be like, oh, I like. I hope the U.S. wins because it'd be good for like North American soccer. I'd probably still go for the other team, whoever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Ghana. I don't know. 
So I think that's the, if Italy was playing Canada in the World Cup final, I'd probably want Canada to win because that would like that would be nuts. Okay, so we just had the Olympics come and go. Who'd you go for in the Olympics? Oh, I was going for Canada. Yeah, on all the things. You know? What if it's Summer Olympics and it's Canada, Italy, and the soccer final? For the like, like I said, I think in the final I would want the for the, for the Olympics though. I mean, for the Olympics, I don't even like. Probably, yeah, I honestly, couldn't care less about. Honestly, I probably Canada because like it would be like Italy's U twenty one team, and it's like yeah, it's okay, the whatever. same, right? I think they can have like three overage players. Yeah, I think Aguero yeah. played one year overage. Yeah. Oh, he was there for uh, Argentina. Yeah. This is like years ago. I think it was like yeah, U twenty. I think U twenty three is where they cap it, and then he was like twenty eight, and like Aguero just like played. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's so unfair. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, where I would want Italy to be Canada in any game except for the final. I would want Canada to win. Yeah, well, let's see if it's gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> towards the end of this month, Canada can book their ticket. I mean, I think it's already pretty much like written off. Yeah, I don't think mathematically, get but probably they're good. Yeah, we're waiting for the mathematic like hurrah, mm-hmm. or they can't not qualify. I think if they beat Jamaica, they should be good. Yeah, I think it's just one match at the end of the week or at the end of the month. Sorry, I think the twenty eighth. 26th again so prepared Canada's playing Jamaica 27th 27th that the um the match Sunday Sunday March 27th ooh live stream maybe live watch of that match where are they playing it I think in Uh, Toronto stop no Costa Rica this game they can win this game I think if they win this game against Costa Rica on the twenty fourth, then it's Dunzo. Yeah, I think I think it depends what happens with uh, oh, okay. the other teams. So yeah, I hate how everything depends. Yeah, <laughs> everything depends. I just want to like celebrate a four o'clock in the afternoon, in the Jamaica Canada game on Sunday, March twenty seventh. Mm. That could be the clincher, the mathematical yeah. clincher. Yeah, we'll see. Hope they do it. God, that'd be cool. Well, I mean, they'll probably go through. I, mean, I know be like, we've been first place, like in the Concacaf rank or in the Concacaf standings, basically since they kicked off mm. in September or whatever it was. Well, I think we were third or fourth for a little while, but then you know we had those big games against the U.S. and Mexico. Yeah, beating Mexico in Edmonton was huge. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously beating the U.S. is like our biggest rival. Yeah, having that victory yeah. in Hamilton. The last time that Canada played, or well, last time Canada played at home, um, obviously again huge, massive. But I think the top three are still going to be like who we like who we think they are with Canada, U.S., and Mexico. Yeah. Um. I just think the way that Canada's done it is crazy. Like it's not like we're in like the third place spot and we have to battle out against Panama or Costa Rica, whoever's in like that fourth place. Mm-hmm. It's not like we're trying to get into the playoff. It's not like mm-hmm. we're scrounging and like we're drawing matches that we should be winning and we're like losing against some shitty teams. Like we're, it's just been like a dominant performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very, and, very good to see. And like it's it's getting like worldwide recognition too. Like other articles and other countries are like reporting this stuff with Canada. Like we made the biggest leap in in the world rankings. Mm. 2021, we scored the most goals out of any country, like including England and France and all those guys. Brazil, we scored the most goals out of any team trying to qualify for the World Cup. 
we arguably have like one of the last best left backs in the world, like in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan David just leading Lil to the title last year in in league on like beating out the likes of PSG. Yep. Like just across the board, man. Like we're just killing it. Yeah. The fact that we haven't had any losses, you know, really solid goal differential. Canada's making a name for uh, the country for soccer here, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, hopefully, it just keeps picking up momentum, and it just like grows and grows and grows, and this kind of is a catalyst for that growth in Canada mm-hmm. to give opportunities. Because I've, I've said it before, where before, if you were a soccer player in Canada, you didn't really have a hope of doing anything super significant unless you took the chance and went overseas because, you know, the MLS still wasn't a big thing. No. Um, with the MLS growing, you know, it helps. But now, you know, you can live in Canada and have a hope of going to play at the World Cup, which before was just not uh, not a reality. So now you have all these young kids who can think, you know, one day I can play on the Canada team and make the World Cup. So it only helped the sport. And, I mean, even, like, talking about also, like, with MLS and, like, obviously not being, like, what, you know, the Premier League is or anything, making a base salary, the lowest lowest you can make, it looks like, for um, an MLS player is 63000 a year, American. Yeah. it's enough. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah, it's yeah. not, you know, I don't know, Ronaldo money. It's not Messi money. Mm-hmm. But to be able to play a sport... You're playing a child's game. You're playing. You're playing a game. You're playing, <laughs> you're a, playing game, a game, and you can make a career out of it, making upwards of sixty-three to seventy thousand. Looks like there's like other compensations you can get with like bonuses and whatnot, plus in your endorsement deals, plus everything's paid for wherever you go. Yeah, all your expenses paid. So, you're you're making sixty-three k a year American, which translates to what like eighty-five us, eighty-five Ameri- yeah. uh, Canadian. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. No, definitely not bad. Yeah. So or yeah, you have Javier Hernandez. <laughs> yeah, Chicharito. Yeah, Iguain <laughs> making the likes of six mil and five point one uh, per year. This number is going to jump drastically come summertime when Lorenzo Insigne yep. hops into the TFC red. Mm. This the highest paid player now is yeah Chicharito Hernandez making six million. I think Insigne is going to make eleven. It's almost double what he's yeah. making. What what the next highest guy would be making, which is wild. Um. But again, like you look at these numbers, and to us, yeah, it's big money, like six million dollars a year is a lot. But <laughs> in the world of like North American sport, Steph Curry in basketball oh, yeah. makes forty million a year. Yeah, like basketball and baseball are like insane. Even hockey, I think it's a lot. Um, hockey, like the highest paid guys are like twelve to thirteen. Okay. Like per year, that's not many players that are like that. There's only a couple maxed out players. Okay. Because there's salary cap in hockey. Oh, yeah. They have, like, a major salary cap. Yeah. I mean, there's salary cap in all sports except for baseball, but the number, like, the amounts in basketball, the amounts in football are so much higher mm-hmm. than what hockey is. Okay. I think the hockey cap's like around 80, and, like, okay. basketball is, like, 200 or something. <laughs> and there's only, like, eight guys. There's only 10 guys <laughs> that really matter in basketball. Yeah. Like, in, it's so wild yeah, when you look yeah. at it. Your team's so small. There's 25 guys on a hockey team, and you have to have all those guys under an $80 million salary cap. There's like 12 in basketball, and the cap's like $200 million or something. <laughs> That's why you can get Steph Curry making $40 million Yeah. And be on the same team with another guy making $35 million a year for two players. Yeah, two and players those two players make a much bigger impact than two players on yeah. any other team. Yeah, so yeah. crazy. 
Um, you have five guys just, playing. There's also yeah. like you know there's other things you can like get around. There's like luxury tax where it's like you actually you pay more than the salary cap limit, but you have to pay tax on that extra amount. Okay. So if you're an owner who's like willing to do that, then you can just go. You can fly past the cap limit. Yeah. And then you just you have to pay a lot more money, but then you can just get that much better of players. Yeah. Crazy stuff, man. Crazy. But yeah, I mean, you know, if you're, you know, I think any, any kid that's looking to play soccer, you know, if you can just make a living doing what you want to do and play. If someone you know, told that's... me I can make $63,000 a year, or sorry, 80, let's just call it Canadian dollars, 85000 a year playing soccer. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, you come in. Of course I'm going to do that. Yeah. yeah. Making, you know, make a 10 year career out of that. 20 years old to, you'll probably go to school for four years. So you'll be 22 when you leave play from 22 23 to like 35 mm. oh how much money is that <laughs> i don't know like, it's pretty, that's a good living like, 12 years like ish what like it's 800 like almost close to a million. million yeah almost a million that's no, not that much actually like when you think about it it's a lot but over 10 year span i mean it's like any you're gonna have, that's like you're gonna have another job. job that's probably gonna pay you yeah. like yeah the same i don't know i think that's pretty sweet though like, like yeah. i said it's all to play a game really Very cool. Yeah. Um, I don't think we can go the entire podcast without mentioning what's happening um, overseas in Europe right now. Yep. Um, the whole impact of Russia and Ukraine, um, we're seeing it in more ways than than just one. Obviously, the you know humanitarian impact is huge, and with that comes um, a lot of other responsibilities and a lot of other you know, sanctions that are, that are occurring now with Russia and other countries and other organizations put in towards Russia. Um, we're seeing a lot of sponsorships pull out of, you know, different sports. Uh, like I said, Gazprom, I was talking to you guys earlier, Gazprom, the big oil company in Russia, is pulling out of some sponsorships with the likes of Red Star Belgrade and Schalke and Bundesliga. Um, you know, hockey, CCM, a huge um, hockey uh, company pulling out of their their deals with all Russian players like Ovechkin <clears throat> and they're just like, I think they're just stepping up and saying like, we're not going to deal with this stuff. Like we're not going to mm-hmm. let our brand be associated with what's happening. And I think the biggest, you know, impact in the world of football is uh, Romney Bramovich, the Chelsea owner being basically forced to, to sell the club. Uh, he's been there for over 20 years, seen countless trophies and EPL titles, Champions League titles. Uh, huge success, obviously, since he's taken over with his, you know, billionaire Russian money coming in. Yeah. Which, of course, I'm going to, like, reap the, reap the benefits of. Of course, I'm going to say, hell yeah, like, let's mm-hmm. let's go for it. Yeah. But now with everyone just being, you know, under the microscope and all their finances being looked at and their background history and their involvement with Russia, um, people are kind of getting trigger happy with, you know, like, cutting ties and cutting loose. It's like I mentioned, Abramovich, um looking to sell the team it looks like he's invested over 1.5 billion pounds into the club since he's been there and he's setting a value of chelsea at three billion dollars or sorry three billion pounds and he's come out and made a statement saying that you know i don't have any ties with putin i don't have any ties with Ru- ties with the russian government um he's just trying to save face i think and kind of get on top of things and what he's trying to say is that whatever profit comes from the sale of chelsea all donated, all money will be donated to victims of war in Ukraine, 
Um, I don't know if it's a certain charity or it's just going to go to everyone, kind of like a Red Cross kind of thing, like just sending, yeah. sending money and sending aid over. Um, it's kind of a black eye in the, you know, in the history of Chelsea that this is kind of what it's come to and, and how it has unfolded really quickly and really um, kind of all at one time. But, I mean, I can look at his his tenure there as owner as a huge success for the club. Yeah. You can't take that away from, like, what he's done and been able to provide for Chelsea. But that being said, I don't want to say politics are politics, but he's trying to get out of there just to, like, save his name, it looks like. Yeah. As as well as many other Russian owners are doing in Russian, Russian companies and organizations, trying to save money if they can, trying to save their reputations. Um. This I don't think this would be the first or last, you know, withdrawal from you know a, a league um, by an owner, but he's probably the biggest one right now. Coming out as early as he is, saying like, "Okay, I'm done I'm selling the team. I can't, yeah. I can't, you know, be associated basically anymore with uh with the world of football." Yeah, and it, it is sad to see because you know he's been there for you know, as long as I can remember even watching Chelsea, seeing him in the stands all the time, mm-hmm. all the Chelsea games. And it's sad that he, you know, this is a situation that kind of forces him to, to sell the club um, when, you know, he probably doesn't want to. Uh, but no, we've talked about it, you know, a lot, whereas things that are much more important than football. And I think people being safe from war and, having peace in your country, not worrying about being invaded is definitely one of those things. So definitely all our thoughts and prayers to everyone in Ukraine. Um, it's just crazy. You know, never thought we'd see something like this in our day. You know, it's on one hand, it is, it's sad in a sense where this is getting so much attention and you have situations like of Israel, Palestine, what's been going on in the Middle East where, you know, you have countries like, uh, uh, or you have places like United Arab Emirates, which are shooting down missiles coming to to them on a regular basis uh, because they're allied with the U.S. So, you know, it is good that um, uh, this is getting all the attention that it's getting because it's it's I think also highlighting that you know there's this kind of issue going on in a lot of different places. Um, it's just unprecedented for a European country to get invaded in this modern age. It's just something we haven't seen before. Yeah. I mean, I, like, I won't name names, but, like, I personally know people from work in Ukraine, so just, like, hoping they're safe. And, yeah, it's just, like, a shock, like, <laughs> oh, like, I can't work. Mm-hmm. Like, I have to run, flee the country, and I'm going to sleep in, like, a shelter tonight, so yeah. cause there's going to be dropping bombs. It's just, like... Yeah, and like Santa said, you hear about this stuff in the Middle East and you're just like, and like, yeah, I've seen it before and like, it's very, very sad. And then, you know, on one level, like this wakes you up to that kind of stuff. And it's like, oh, this is real. It's like, oh, and it happens like other places. So, you know, very sad to see. I mean, I don't know what would warrant like this kind of escalation to happen. Um, So hopefully, you know, like my boss said, that cooler heads will prevail and they can resolve it peacefully. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because not, obviously not a good situation for anyone. Yeah, at this point, all we can do is like just you know send our hopes and wishes and prayers to everyone over there for you know a, hopefully a positive future and a safe outcome from this. I know there's already been a lot of destruction going on and people evacuating the country um, since this podcast has been 
recorded even like now like by the time I, this podcast drops and everything yeah there'll be more and more people coming coming and going from the country so everyone out there just uh yeah try and stay safe and um we're all thinking about you yep think about everyone and holds those you love close yeah yep all right that's gonna wrap it up here from the boys at the footy fans podcast if you guys want to find us on social media you can find us at footy underscore fans look us up on youtube look us up on instagram twitter and you'll see all of our breaking news and footy um, posts from there we'll go with posts we'll go with posts um until next time we'll catch up next week after all of the week's action see everyone bye